Welcome to Resilient Entrepreneurs, where we showcase business owners who know how to bounce back from adversity and thrive. Today, we're talking with Tan, who founded a digital agency with a team of other young and passionate digital specialists. His company is Glacier, based in Brisbane, Australia, although he works with clients anywhere in the world. He's also started a dog jewelry business. Oh, interested to talk more about that. We'll ask Tan to look into a crystal ball and share his views on AI, which is, of course, a favorite topic of ours. And we'll dig into social media advertising for some helpful suggestions for those business owners out there. It's a hot topic that can open a wormhole. So heads up, we're going to go there. So Tan, first of all, welcome to Resilient Entrepreneurs. In researching you, we came across your personal website where you say, ask me how to pronounce my last name, which I really appreciate because I'm not even going to try. Can you please introduce yourself? <laughs> yes, thank you. So my name is Tan. Uh, my last name is Pongs of Westkun. Um, and it's it's a Thai name. So, it, so people always ask how to pronounce it because similar to English, not everything that's written sound like it's chose. So yes, I get this a lot. <laughs> I loved your approach on your website, how you said, when you meet me, ask me how to pronounce my last name. I mean, that's just embracing the the one thing that is probably always in front of you. Right. Yep. So tell us um, a little bit about your story, Tan. We know you live in Australia and work in Australia now, but you're originally from Thailand. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your story on that move from, from one country all the way over to Australia? Yeah. Um, so when I, I was 14, uh, I moved to Australia. I had an opportunity where my, my auntie was coming here to work. Um, she was sponsored by her company. And I had the opportunity to follow her along. She asked me one one question, uh, do you want to come to Australia? I thought I, I was probably running around playing and didn't really think about it. So I said yes straight away. And I just had to follow through. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's let's do it. And yeah, I, I was here uh, and was doing high school and, you know, uni and back then started working here happily ever after. And were you speaking English when you landed at 14? Yes, I was not bad. But I wasn't great either. Got bullied a lot in, in school about my accent, my English, and you know, I had uh, issues with um, pronouncing some sounds in English as well. So people were, were mocking me and and stuff like that. So I just had to get over that and practice and learn to overcome the problems there. Yeah, that's a lot to go through at a young age. Um... Mm. You, you kind of breeze over it as if, oh, yeah, I got bullied and I got through it. And I really appreciate that attitude. And I think that maybe that's why you're resilient and successful in what you do now. Can you talk a little bit more about kind of that experience and just getting through difficult times like that? I think looking back, like it, it was a while ago. So looking back, it was more annoying than, than really. It wasn't something that really put me down, but it was probably... Yeah, more annoying than, than anything. And, you know, there are always two sides. They are, they are bully and they are also good people, good friends that I met. So I think I, I focus, I tend to focus on the positive sides of, of, of everything. So I just went along with, with life and try, try to, if it's anything that's not great, that does, I don't want to be involved. I just let it go. And, you know, the, the people who, or make fun of me, I just don't hang out with them and you know, get, get over it. Yeah, I think that optimism helps so tremendously in just life in general, but to be able to make such a brave leap at such a young age and then to have to 
deal with cultural and you know language issues and all of that so then you went on to university went on to a master's degree correct yeah, yeah. and then so tell us the story from there to becoming an entrepreneur um yeah for sure um so originally i was i wanted to be a, a doctor i wanted to be well i wanted to be a lot of things including a doctor a director a cook a more chef but then settled at a doctor just you know a- asian parents that, that really <laughs> yes <It's a> doctor. <laughs> over here in, in australia you have to do a bachelor degree before you can go on to do medicine so i did uh, biomedicine uh, as the undergrad degree and then i was trying to get into medicine and probably failed at that pretty pretty badly uh so i tried a few years uh and uh, after i graduated I've tri- i kept trying for a few years uh but it just didn't work out so i i said to myself you know this is the last time that i'm going to do the test and i still failed the last time so um why by failing i wasn't failing i still got you know good marks but it wasn't enough and yeah so i just get said after the last time i said okay and, and it's time to probably do something else and the next thing i wanted to do is, is business and marketing and stuff like that to to really put my creativity into use and yeah so the next thing is probably just to do something related to business because at that point i had a degree that's not related to business and probably nothing that i can use from that degree so yeah by the time i was in melbourne so i came to to brisbane because my my girlfriend at the time got into medicine so in in brisbane followed her here and, and did, did the business degree in brisbane okay yeah. so were you always a creative person like did you feel like that was more your path but you chose to do medicine to kind of chase your parents dream now it's your opportunity to chase your dream i was always creative probably not in the common sense of what, what a creative person is but i like fun i like to play i like something new so i always created new ways of doing things and stuff like that ever since i was a kid uh, I, I grew up i didn't have a lot of toys so i I just use my imagination and whatever is around me to play and create something to play with my brothers. So in that sense, I think I was pretty creative. And the doctor medicine thing, I'm both logical and creative. So I think parts, but it ended up being the creative part. Yeah, it's useful for business. I was just going to say, like, to be logical and creative, because an entrepreneur, if you can have both sides of yourself like that, you can build and create new businesses, new things all the time, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, definitely. The challenging thing is to to pick which mindset to use at, at, at the right time. And now you're running your own business, Tan, and it's in a creative space of digital advertising and digital performance. So before we get into that, let's just tap into the dog jewelry business because I am fascinated by it. What prompted you to start that? It's not jewelry for dogs. It's jewelry for dog lovers. Um, I was looking for a gift for my girlfriend at the time, my wife now. So uh, I was looking for something that's custom made, something that will, will only be ours. So well, we, we had two dogs at that time, so uh, a border collie and a, a rough collie. And so I looked up, up the design I've got a friend who who is a jewelry designer, so it was handy. 
Um, so I said, I, I, I want to make these two dogs into a pendant. And can you, I gave her references and can you do it? And my friend did it and it, it was unique. It was something that I thought, yeah, this could be a business. There are probably people like me that are looking for something unique, something that's more personalized. Cause I, I know how dogs can, like how much dogs you know, or, or cats can mean to, to pet owners, pet lovers. So yeah, at that time I was like, yep, let's do it. Let's, let's see how, where, where this goes. Yeah. Give it a good go. And that was in 2020. So like middle pandemic chaos. Yeah, I think I didn't think much about it, but thinking back, it was the right time for um, e-commerce business anyway. So it was pretty good timing. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) The timing is is kind of perfect for anything. And so you built a business together and, you know, how's it been going? At the moment, we are having issues with suppliers and, and stuff like that. So a lot of a lot of the products we have out of stock, uh, but otherwise, you know, the, the website is functioning and, and uh, is selling, so we everyone can check it out. Uh, we pro- we have new uh, designs coming out as well, but with the stock and with the supply issue, we're just putting that on hold at the moment. And yeah, we'll, we'll have cat uh, collection in the future as well. Yeah, come on now, us cat owners need stuff too. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it. Sometimes Sky features in these podcast episodes. Sky, the Siamese cat. She's beautiful. very loud. <laughs> She's beautiful, lovely. but very loud. She likes to talk. Yes. It's hilarious. <laughs> and so now into the digital business, uh, digital agency business that you've started. You're still quite young. This is what your second business. And you were working at an agency and then decided to branch out on your own. So you really have that entrepreneurial spirit running strong. I would say, I don't know. I don't know what an entrepreneurial spirit is, but I like freedom. So I think that's what it is. Okay. What does freedom mean to you? And is that the best thing about being an entrepreneur? For me, uh, freedom is is the best thing in the world. I think you can have money, but you can't have, you can buy freedom. So for me, the number one priority is freedom. Uh, I need to be able to choose my hour that I want to work, what, when I want to work and just what I want to do. I think it, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner um, fits those boxes for some people that are not really committed or driven. Uh, freedom can be a, a downfall as well. As That's the same for me sometimes. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Tell us a little bit what you do at Glacier. Like, how do you help your clients? Yeah, so I, I help businesses get more, more leads and sales and more customers, more profit into the business by getting the business, um, getting the client out in front of the prospect, you know, the right prospects. So we, we do that through Google ads, Facebook ads, TikTok ads. A lot of businesses that I find, they are still very traditional, which is surprising because we are in the digital world. Most people are still relying on referrals and, and word of mouth. But I mean, if, I think as business owners, I think growth is important and that, that there's no better way to grow quickly, whether it's organic or paid. So uh, this is how I help my clients just get get their names out there, get in front of the customers get, and, and get a lot of customers really quickly. Yeah. So what is your thoughts on the difference between organic growth and paid growth? Because this is a question we get a lot too, is 
what should I pay for my post? Should I boost? Should I create ads or should I just post frequently? Or so what's your thoughts on how to grow well on social media? I'm going to use a metaphor here, but it's a problem of what should you eat? Like you, do you eat protein? Do you eat carbohydrate? Do you eat veggies? You, know, you, you got to eat more if you want to be healthy. Same with, as uh, digital media. So uh, you have to, to be great at uh, organic. You have to be great at paid because there's an element of reach. There's an element of trust. So you, uh, organic struggles with, with reach sometimes, you know, with social media platforms being putting limitations on, on your profiles and, and that. And if you think about Google, you can't rank for everything. So to be able to reach more people, you got to pay. So if you want to reach more people, pay. But there are some people that are that catch on to the paid advertising world. So they they think uh, ads, uh, people can just pay to be here. So you're going to miss out. If you focus on paid, you're going to miss out on these people. And these people, there are a lot of pe these people on Google. They, they, it's about 70% of people that are just skipping ads. So, if, so you have to do both to maximize your, your growth from, from, yeah, from my point of view. Yeah. And isn't it the best part of, of digital is that you can skip ads, right? That's what everybody wants to do. It's like, as soon as it says skip ad on YouTube, you press the button to skip the ad, you know? So people, I guess, advertisers would be concerned that their money that they're spending on ads will be wasted. So how do you counter that? Yeah. Well, most people skip ads because it's not the right ad for them and because they're not interested. So you can't really target a hundred percent of people that are going to be the right people. So I think skipping is, shouldn't be a concern for, um, for advertisers. It's about maximizing relevant people. So, for example, if on you know, Facebook, if you get what we call in the industry is probably you know, click-through rate or view rate. But I, because I, I focus on results, I tend to look at click-through rate and really results, um, like conversions more. But I think looking at click-through rates, it's a good indication of whether you're reaching the right people and whether your or ads or the content that you create uh, are great quality. So yeah, it's just about making sure that your ad is just isn't spamming people and and people aren't interested. That's all. Yeah, it's all about that good targeting, good niche marketing, mm -hmm. being clear about your targets. Yeah. Yeah, and Tan, yeah. what would you say are the top three mistakes that people make when it comes to digital ads, social media ads? Right. I'm going to talk across the, the digital world, like so search and, and social media as well. But um, the biggest mistake is probably looking at reach and impressions because, like I said, it's about targeting the right people. So I get people who, who say... Oh, this company is promising me thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand reach, and I said, you know, I can I can do that with minimal budget. I can just spam the ads, and you will get that reach, and you don't have to pay much at all. But what what's more important is to focus on re what really drives the revenue and the profitability of your business. What what's the bottom line for your business? Is it lead? Is it a sale? Um, what's the the best thing that you can track online? Because digital marketing is about being able to to track the, the um what people do with your business so 
if you can track sales, track sales. If you can track leads, that's the best thing you can do, track leads. But yeah, that's the, that's the first mistake, not tracking the right thing. The second thing is probably not the right channel. So if your business, say, for example, if your service is really complicated and you, you're choosing Google Ads, for example, for as the main advertising platform, then you're going to be missing, you'll be missing out a lot of opportunity to really explain what you do because at the end of the day, Google Ads is about all about text and you have limited words, you know, 25 characters for a headline, 90 characters for a description. How can you explain a, a, a complicated service in that many characters? So, yeah, in that case, I would go, I would go to social media like Facebook and like TikTok and really explain, really put your personality behind the brand and the service to, yeah, to, to really get the best out of it. Um, the third one is probably the notion that paid ads are just a waste of money. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's say a lot of leads I talk to, I, I say, okay, I, I'm doing this. I, I, I post daily and I, I get a few clients coming in and stuff like that. I need to do paid ads. But just maybe being afraid of investments. But in the in business, money makes money. I think everyone knows that. So putting uh, advertising is putting money to work. And if you're doing it the right way, you're going to get a lot of profit out of it. Yeah, it's very true. And often in times of financial stress, like a pandemic or recession, people tend to cut marketing budgets first, right? That's sort of the first thing that everybody, big, even big businesses shut down because it's easier, right? It's easier to shut down a budget than it is to have to let staff go. And I understand that from a human perspective, but from a business perspective, it can often be quite detrimental to a business. And I think my opinion is a lot of businesses, especially older established businesses, haven't yet figured out that the social landscape, digital landscape of advertising is no different than the newspaper used to be. You have more people watching digital and spending time on digital than you have reading a newspaper or a magazine or a more traditional marketing source. So that switch, I think, is still a shift in mindset and understanding how you can, I guess, find your space in the digital world because it seems so huge too. I mean, I was, I think I said this recently in another podcast, you know, Instagram, you used to be able to scroll to the end of your Instagram feed, right? You used to be able to get to the end of it and be like, oh, you've seen all the posts for today. And you're like, oh, great. You know, got my Instagram in. Now you can scroll for days and never get close, right? Like you'll never see everything. It's impossible. So people fear the noise that's out there. So how do you, with advertise, how do you cut through all that noise? So you feel like your money, your investment is worth it. It's, I feel like advertising is not about being different. Like, or I think the idea isn't to, to stand out as to cut through the noise. The idea is to merge into the platform. Take, for example, Instagram. There's a lot of good photos and anything that's good set up. It's a perfect photo uh, platform, right? So if you put something that's more organic, like uh, that are you know blurry and stuff like that, then you're going to stand out, but not in a good way. A good, uh, the best advertising is when people don't realize it's advertising. So uh, you have to match the content that's on the platform. For for TikTok, if you go on a TikTok, if you advertise on TikTok and you, you do a, a static ad a image tick, uh, ad on TikTok, then you're going to stand out in a bad way. 
<laughs> because people are just gonna, just going to scroll past you. Uh, but if it's more about engaging content, you talking to the camera, or is someone talking to to someone, um, or, or or dance or some some sort of music, then then you're going to fit into the platform and people will watch you. How does this all factor in with influencer marketing? Because a lot of clients, a lot of people who are using social media, small or medium businesses, are not interested in putting themselves in front of a camera every day and even imagining that they are influencers in their industry. Even if they are, they don't want to be in the spotlight. How do you balance that? In that sense, creating content or probably video content, but they don't want to be in front of the cameras. I think there there are a lot of ways around it. People can do, you can do like an explanation video. You can, you know, scroll, drag your mouth, your mouse, uh, along the screen and record your screen and explain that to people. It's just, you know, it's content. It's still a video and people can hear your voice and not your face. And, you know, you can get a, a, away with that. You know, there are interesting YouTube where it's just, you know, drawing and you know, sketching um, animation. There, there, there's a platform that does animation and stuff like that. It makes it makes it look like you, you're drawing and explaining things. And you can do that. Um and yeah, influencer is a good way as well. We would recommend influencer. So, you, you know, you, you contact an influencer, get them to do content. And at the start, you ask that you're going to use that content for ads later. You, you pay a little bit more, but you get a, a video content that you can, you can use for ads for, for something that you already paid for anyway. So I think it's a pretty good investment. That's some good advice. What's your thoughts on AI? Because nowadays you can get an avatar to speak for you and you can get ChatGPT to write you a script and everything. So what's your thoughts on there and the future of uh, marketing that's coming through that? Yeah, AI is a skill and we're moving to a world where you need to know more more things to be able to work um, in, the, in a competitive industry. So you not, not only you have to know the platform that you'll be advertising on uh, or you know, posting organically on, um, you have to know how the algorithm of each platform works. You know now have to know how to to work AI because that's a competitive age, right? Um, if you don't use it, you're going to fall. You're going to fall behind. I think in the industry is talking about prompt engineers, um, and I think you have to to learn at least the basic of what you need to say. The uh, you know the right things you need to say. The, the parameters that ha- you have to set for AI to, for for it to produce at least good quality or uh, acceptable quality content that's you know, not not a, a five-year-old can do. Yeah, because some of it's pretty bad. I mean, we played around, we've tested, and yeah, it's exactly that. It's about the prompting, right? So give us some tips. Like, do you have any tips on how to write a good prompt? Maybe an example? Yeah, for sure. I think it's, uh, well, AI these days are very um, smart, so when I write something, when I, if, if I use it for um, content, before I ask it to do anything, I tell it uh, uh, more about my business, my audience and purpose and it, tell it everything that I would tell my content writer before I ask it to, to produce uh, a piece of content on something. So, so you're effectively cre- giving it a creative brief. You're treating the AI as an assistant, a human assistant. Yeah, so you, you have to treat it as your employee. Um, but that that does a, a job really fast. Because if you don't do that, 
then you're assuming that AI knows what's in your mind, which it, it won't. It's good for now that they don't know what's in our mind. I mean, I think that's the thing that. What's the future of AI? If you were to project into the future, look into the crystal ball, what does it look like in, I don't know, even three years' time? Three years' time. Three years' time. I think AI is growing exponentially. Everything nowadays can be solved with AI. There's even a website, I can't remember the website, but it kind of collects all the, the tools that. Um, AI tools for and it literally has everything that can be solved by AI. So um, I think in three years people will catch on, um, and AI will just be another tool. Uh, it, won't, it won't have that hype around it anymore because um, nowadays, if you say something is written by AI, created by AI, supported by AI, kind of like oh, this is a new product. But you know, in three years, it won't have that that buzz uh, that ring to it anymore. Yeah, I didn't get on the podcast and say, Tan, it's amazing. I found you on this thing called Google, and I love it. It's great technology. (laughs) Yeah, and I think we probably were talking about Google like that a few years ago. (laughs) Yeah, and it's literally considered a verb now. Go Google it. That's how technology works. And and I hope that we do get to a place where it is just integrated seamlessly into so much of what we already do. What about the dark side? Is there a dark side? There's always a cost. What's the cost? But the cost in business perspective, everything is just going to be a lot more competitive because, you know, your content, the power of content, organic content now, everyone can do in five minutes. So what you produce, what you create, what you prompt to the AI will have to be that much better than every, everyone else. Otherwise, you're just another piece of content in the millions of content in this topic. So, yeah, I think the competitiveness in business is exponentially increased with, with AI. Yeah, I like to think that it allows us more time and space to be the strategist, the director. Yeah. They bring our expertise to the table, us in marketing, but whatever industry our audience is in, if they're the if they have a special specialization in a field, then that allows them more time to shine that um, and not get caught up in the weeds of production. Yeah. And with this explosion of content, which I definitely agree we're going to see so much more in the next few weeks, months, ne- never mind years. Do you think other platforms are going to um, pop up, going to grow that um, to kind of take some of that content? Because like I was saying about Instagram being so busy, so full, it seems now that it almost feels inevitable that something new is going to come and not take its place, but become a different sort of maybe a different niche, maybe for a different, slightly different market. Anything on the horizon you see potentially coming up soon? Well, it's, we already, we can already see a change, right? We can see that now on social media, all the short videos are doing really well. And you can't do that with AI. Or I mean, at, at least you can't produce it with AI. So I think the popular things are going to be the, the human to human interaction because that's, it's authentic and um, it has that personalization. Well, so when people love that connection, uh, I don't, don't think anything that's created by AI is going to be taking up, um, you know, overtaking the world. Um, because if, even if the short videos are going to die down in the future, there'll be something that's 
personalized that has a personality to it and yeah, that would be popular still so uh, i think there'll be a shift but you it will have to have that uh, um, these qualities to be successful oh i like to hear that more human more authenticity um and and honestly more quality the more i watch youtube these days i mean i've barely watch cable. Sorry, cable company, if you're listening, but I barely watch cable anymore. <laughs> I, I spend most of the time on my smart TV on YouTube and my kids do too. And our algorithm is so interesting because it's like football and some weird kids shows and, you know, marketing stuff and business and men and like, and travel. And it's like such an interesting mix of different things that I'm always coming across, but the quality of production is cinematographic. It's just gorgeous like beautifully produced quality amazing videography i'm like okay i see a lot more people are going to go into short video but the quality it's not just hastily put up videos it's really well edited music and everything in it it's it's quite amazing how that shift i see hopefully we'll just keep growing because I think that is a platform where you can be very authentic, where personalities are going to shine, where people can be experts and can grow incredible businesses as a YouTube content producer. Yep. It's all about return on investment. If they put their time into the videos and they get a return for, from it, then why not? Um, and YouTube is a great platform to monetize uh, video and content creation. So I think if it profitable for them uh, i mean if, it, if youtube makes it profitable for them yeah, we're gonna see a lot more of that well, I, I watch only youtube as well I, I don't really watch cable tv anymore yeah yeah sorry for the advertisers too who are still <laughs> on there advertising on tv yeah. <laughs> and this is why you choose digital media rather than traditional tv and stuff like that so it, it really depends <laughs> on, on the audience but if you're reaching us if you're trying to reach us digital media it is yeah i think so and i think my kids don't even would ever think to put on regular old tv they're always looking for something online to find that's interesting and and they like the format and they like the there's more immediacy to it you know they can skip past the ads they can skip to the next thing if this one's boring or they can go find someone new and go down a different path to find something they're interested in and what they want for that moment it's quite amazing that the shift and I'm very I mean I'm always interested like what's next what is coming next definitely you get hooked I, I get hooked by hours <laughs> yeah it's a scary wormhole to go down I know ah, so let's talk a little bit about just business in general and entrepreneurship in general so you talked about freedom being the best part of being an entrepreneur for you and you talked about failure, which is something we also like to ask about is your mindset around failure. So as a business owner yourself and one who created businesses during the pandemic, which is a crazy and amazing and roller coaster of a time to create businesses, like what's your mindset around failure and success? Mm, I think this is a, the toughest question. <laughs> it might be because I play a lot of sports and, and games and and board games and stuff like that. So I lose a lot. So failure and losing isn't the biggest deal. It isn't the end of the world. But I also I also hate losing. So <laughs> I, I try to win. I try to succeed or to achieve my goals. But if, if it doesn't happen, uh, then I look at it as how did the winner 
or why did I not succeed in this case or you know what can I learn from it and just move move on and do better next time I would recommend anyone to play sports or kids yeah you sure do it's true so one last question Tan what is your definition of resilience what does it mean to you yeah this is also a hard one so dictionary kind of definition is you know getting getting back from you know to be able to bounce back from the challenges right and I think that's that's essentially what I, I I think it is and just the ability to overlook what you've done wrong over to your mistakes and just focus on the optimistic side of things and and being able to to see light in the dark and just being able to to do better next time I think that's my definition of resilience yeah that's a good one thank you so much really appreciate your time, your energy, your optimism. I think it really shines through everything you've talked about today. And I hope this inspires people out there to get on digital, get on the digital media landscape, because that's where it is now. That's where advertising exists. And um, there's a lot to learn for sure. And we really appreciate, Tan, you really helping guide us through um, understanding a lot of it because there's still questions. There's going to be more. How can people find you if they want to to learn a bit more or maybe how, how they could work with you? Yeah, so my business, my digital agency business is Glacier. So you can go to glacier, G-L-A-X-I-E-R.com.au um, and yeah, just find me there or you can go to LinkedIn as well and, and search my name. <laughs> if you type in my, my last name, I don't think there's anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Easy to find you. And we'll be sure to share it in the show notes so people can search those to be able to find you and, and link and connect. So thank you very much. We really appreciate your time and hope to see you again. Thank thanks. You. So thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. We're Laura and Vicky from Two for One. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up League. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at 241branding.com.